and welcome to the first ever Break Down the Wall podcast with myself, James Keane. Basically, um, this is going to be a podcast where I basically hopefully plan to break down the wall surrounding mental health. The plan is to get um, a few people on from different walks of life and find out a wee bit about them, how they deal with their everyday pressures, chat a wee bit of shit and enjoy it and hopefully have a laugh along the way. Certainly what I find anyway is that life is a lot easier when there's laughter involved. So as I said, hopefully we can do that along the way. Within the first episode, just to kind of a put it out there, is what I'm going to speak about is just a bit about myself and the challenges that I've had uh, throughout my life. I'm not going to go into too much detail and go into every single challenge that I've had to overcome, but certainly I'll touch on a few and hopefully that's something that maybe people out there can relate to as well, and maybe even something that, that people can learn from, learn from the mistakes that I've made, because uh, that's certainly something that I've tried to do uh, moving forward throughout my life. So certainly the first thing that I want to speak about is probably the the first main challenge that, that I had to overcome was when I was 16 years old, um, and, and basically from the ages of 11 years old till I was 16, I played professional youth football with Livingston and at the age of 16 I then had to leave them um, due to various things however it was such a, a gut-wrenching I even thought of leaving uh, Livingston it was kind of a even to this day I'm still a, a fan of the club just because of I spent a really good number of years there and I really really loved my time there the boys that I kind of I played with that I grew up with. I mean, if you think about it, going from the ages of eleven to sixteen, went through puberty with them. Spoke about your first sort of girlfriends with them. Um, going through school exams, whole host of things, everything that you'd go through within that sort of period of time. And I went through it with kind of a name. Um, I even got to the point where because I was playing through in Livingston, end up a wee. Livingston Twang, uh, we, we're spending as much time with, with people from Edinburgh and Fife and, and West Lothian and, and that sort of area. So it was a really, really um, good sort of memories from, from my childhood, I say, between that period of time. But when it came to leaving them, um, as I said earlier on, it was, it was absolutely gut-wrenching. And it was so, so difficult to, to even comprehend not playing with them anymore. Um, I mean, if you, if you think about it, it, so from the ages of five, all I wanted to do was be a football player. And then playing pro youth, you're probably seen uh, within your sort of your, your friends at school and, and things like that is, is almost been on the way to becoming a, a professional football player and realising that dream. But for, for me, obviously, it wasn't meant to be. And as I say, when I look back, it was probably probably the first time my heart was ever broken if I'm being honest um, so it wasn't a girl that, that broke my heart the first time it was certainly a, a, a football and uh, I, I generally just when I think back and the, 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 the boys and stuff like that I played with that not been able to see them anymore um, not actually playing for actual the club anymore it was really, really difficult and just when, when I think back I had to find a way how to overcome that sort of knock in my life, if you want to call it that, because it had a real sort of effect on, on my confidence. It had a real effect on me as a, a person 
who was, was trying to grow up and um, trying to mature um, through a, a really, really, obviously, challenging period in my life where um, everything was, was great, uh, going great and things like that, then obviously um, had to leave Livingston. So it wasn't the easiest time of life, shall we call it. And as I said, it was the, the first time where I had to overcome a major challenge mentally. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I wasn't the, probably the most confident um, person in the world when I, when I was 16 years old. Going through a lot of change in my body and, and things like that. And it was one of those things where, where, as I say, I think back and I probably didn't deal with it the best way possible. I mean, I didn't even speak to my parents about how I was feeling. Uh, I didn't speak to any of my friends about how I, how, how it affected me or, or anything like that at all. I kind of I just sucked it up and moved on and put it to the back of my mind and, and never never really properly dealt with it, never really spoke to MD about it. I mean, one thing that, that, that did severely help me, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, was the next club that I went to play with wasn't with boys my own age, so I didn't go and play with 16 and 17-year-olds at football. I went and played junior football, which is semi-professional, and I went and played with men, men that were in their mid-20s towards their late 20s and their 30s, Men that had life experience and, and men that, that took me under their wing and, and really gave me a, a whole um, bunch of really, really good advice. Uh, and, and I really, really appreciate the sort of the, the, the upbringing that I had over that sort of period of time after I left Livingston. And I played with those guys for the best part of three or four years. And as I said, like, the, the, the sort of advice that they, they gave me I mean they looked after me like I was a real real wee brother and I probably spoke to them about things more than I did my own family come the end of that period of time which I spent with them and played with them but certainly after leaving Livingston it was a real really difficult time um, and, and I found it really really challenging to overcome but as I said like putting it to the back of my mind and, and just kind of a shrug of my shoulders and moving on with it really wasn't the, the best way to go about it because I started to get kind of a very, very cocky um, and very arrogant, as maybe some people do around about that age, to be honest with you, but certainly for myself, I, I, I changed and the reason I changed was because I felt as though that I didn't want anything to hurt me the way that I, I, I was hurt with... Um, with, with um, leaving Livingston, see, I was I wasn't the most confident person in the world or anything like that at all. So I had to put out this sort of image of myself to anybody else that I, that I met that I was a confident sort of cocky, arrogant person that nothing could phase me and, and and everything else. And as I said, it's not not the the, the best way to go about it. But luckily enough, uh, I had. Uh, those older older guys round about me who was able to guide me and, and help me move forward in, in the rest of my life. Another, um, in fact, probably the most challenging point of my life was I lost um, my, my job. Uh, it wasn't that long after that I became a, a dad as well. And anybody that's had children, especially for the first time, I mean, I was 25 at the time when I had my wee boy, and it, it, it's hard enough, as I said, but then shortly after um, 
become a dad for the first time. I think it was like six or seven months after that, I ended up losing my job. And not that I kind of I didn't go and get another job. I mean, the very next day, I went and got um, another job with, a, with an agency. But I was, for that sort of probably six-month period after my wee boy was born, it was such a difficult time in my life when I look back at it. It's supposed to be the happiest time of your life, okay, having children and, and, and things like that. And, and don't get me wrong, the, the, the joy that, that, that my wee boy has brought me is, is absolutely second to none. I, I love the bones of him. He's the, the greatest wee guy I, I know and the greatest wee guy, in my opinion, in the world, obviously. But that sort of six, first six months of his life, it was such a, a shock to the system, shall we call it, where... I was working in a job that I didn't like, eh, the job that I got sacked from, um, and I just I got to the point where I was working 8 o'clock to 5, I felt as though I was being underpaid for what I was doing, eh, and I was unappreciated, I, I wasn't able to speak to people during the day, other than the people that I was going out to visit and things like that, and when I came home from work, the, the last thing I wanted to do was kind of a then have to obviously look after a, a child for the, that full duration, you know, um, and, and to be fair, it was only fair in my eyes anyway that I did come in and I did take over um, from, from my wee boy's mum because at the end of the day, she was in all day with my wee boy, not speaking to any adults or anything like that at all, or if she did speak to adults, was going out with her lunch with her friends and whatever else, so I felt as sort of the macho thing, as you want to call it that, or, or the, the father thing to do was come in from work and then start to look after after my boy. So effectively, I was coming in from work after 8 o'clock to 5 and then dealing with him until I went to bed. I would then give him a night feed and all that sort of stuff, severe lack of sleep, and it just got too much for me. So much so that, uh, as I say, I ended up um, being sacked from my job because I just wasn't doing it. And no matter how much I hated that job, it still provided me with uh, money at the end of the day uh, and that sort of a purpose as well as what I felt, even though I didn't enjoy it, as I said. And it's probably the lowest point of my life, um, which is sort of a bit cliche since it's supposed to be the happiest point of my life after having a child. But I, I was just so depressed within myself that I wasn't happy it was just a really, really difficult time and it was really, really hard to kind of uh, move on and, and, and get out of that. Um, and again, what I didn't do is I didn't speak up to anybody. I didn't seek advice from any medical professionals or, or, or anything like that at all. I didn't speak to my wee boy's mum at the time, my partner at the time or anything like that at all. It was like, I just felt as though there was nowhere to turn to and Luckily enough, I managed to get through that sort of period of my time. Um, and when I when I do look back, I, I generally do wonder how I done it. Um, and it's only when I do reflect back, I think to myself, you know what? It was just kind of a suck it up and, and move on. And do you know what? It was it was fine at the time, okay, but absolutely not fine because there was times when. At the time, I was still playing football. I mean, I can remember having several arguments with my football manager at the time, and it was something I would never, ever have done. 
because I had total respect for uh, my football manager throughout any time I played football, any coaches and stuff like that. Uh, I would argue with other players and I'm not an argumentative person at all, so it was totally out of character for me. But when, as I say, when I look back, that was me dealing with stuff that I'd bottled up. And if I, had, if I hadn't bottled up and if I had spoken to, to someone, um, whether it be my family, friends or, or, or anybody else, then I could have probably handled that situation a whole lot better. Uh, and, and that's something that kind of, a, when I look at now, all, all I think about now is like coping mechanisms. Whenever I speak to people or whenever people speak to me and uh, ask me for advice on, on things uh, about mental health and, and by, by no means am I an absolute professional or, or anything like that at all. I've had a wee bit of training uh, through work and, and things like that and I, I feel as though that I, I have helped um, a good number of people um, just by giving them advice and just by being honest to them and listening to them and things like that. But when I look back, I really, really do wish that at certain points within my life I certainly um, reached out and was brave enough to reach out and, 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 and tell people exactly how I felt at the time and, and hopefully that at that point and they would have obviously been able to listen to me and give me some advice and point me in, in the right direction and things like that. The, the last thing kind of a, or the last challenge that I would want to kind of a share with you, um, again, a really, really difficult time within my life was... As I said, so I played football from the ages of five till I was about 26. Um, and then I got a, a real, really bad knee injury. Uh, and between the ages of 27, when I got my first knee operation, um, to the age I was probably 30, and then I got my third knee operation, it was really a real difficult time uh, within my life. So much so that I was... When I look back, it was, there was no doubt about it, where I was depressed, I had anxiety, um, I, I put on from, I put on a lot of weight, so from the point of when I stopped playing football when I was 26, till I was probably 27 and a half, um, I put on probably three or four stone, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I was, as I say, I was anxious, so I, I used to make excuses about why I couldn't go out with my mates to go for nights out, or why I couldn't go and visit my family, um or or anything like that at all. Um, I, I just I just didn't want to see people at times, you know. And it was it was really just because at the time I didn't realize this, but certainly when I look back, it was a hundred percent that I was depressed. And what I was depressed about was that I'd been such a a sort of a, a fit person, an active person throughout my full life. And to have that sort of suddenly taken away from me due to my knee injury, I found it really, really difficult to cope with. And after my first operation, when I was told by the physio, do this, do the next thing, etc., etc., after a certain amount of time, it was like, I just didn't care and I just lost interest and I stopped listening to what I was um, being advised to do. And... I then went back and tried to play football again, which was the worst thing in the world because I knew within myself that that wasn't the right thing to do. And then I got another knee injury and then I'm back to square one again where I need to get another knee operation. Uh, it was turned into two knee operations. So it was certainly something when I look back on that sort of short period in my, in my life. It, 
wasn't great. Uh, it was a really, really difficult time in my life, as I said. After my third knee operation, kind of I learned my lessons after the first and the second that I had to start listening to people. So I took on on sort of on board everything that the physios were telling me, and and what I did was I I probably put it down a bit more being more mature as well and being a bit more grown up was I started to set myself sort of a, a long term goal, but what I did in between the long term goal was set myself sort of sort of short term goals and the goals that were achievable. So things like you know what, I'm not going to sit in the house anymore and, and pretend that I'm going to do my exercises and all that sort of stuff. I actually got up off my backside and went out walks. Um, try to kind of a my long term goal is is to to run a marathon. Uh, and for him to kind of that knows me and probably seen my knee. It looks like a sort of a car crash victim with the amount of scars I've got in my knee. I've had my hamstrings cut. I've had every um, muscle in my, my legs uh, I've, I've torn them all through various injuries of playing football and things like that so to say that I'm, I'm 32 now and uh, I've probably got the legs of a, a very very old man shall we well, shall we say that anyway um, it's certainly a, a long term goal for me to, to run a marathon and I've not put any pressure on myself by I need to do it by a time of 35 or anything like that I just want to run a marathon so what I had to do was say, right, I need to get myself, I need to get out walking, okay. Then, after a, a period of time, I got myself, right, okay, I'm out walking, I'm walking a certain distance, can I now run half that distance? To then I got to a point where I can now run that distance and then start to increase the distances and, and things like that as well. And it made me, as a person, so much happier I felt so healthier. It was honestly unbelievable. I, I was in the space of literally six weeks of going out, um, probably say over a six-week period, probably 25, uh, between 25 and 30 walks over that six-week period. I just felt so healthy. And I hadn't lost a lot of weight or anything for that at all, but I just felt so good within myself that it just spurred me on. And I went from a really, really challenging place in my life to probably the happiest that I'd been in a long time and it's just again spurred me on to kind of a almost realise that long term goal which by the way I'm absolutely nowhere, do, nowhere near doing it but it's, I know it's got to be a, a sort of a long um, way to go but uh, it's really really spurring me on to even do this and don't get me wrong I have had setbacks so it's it's not difficult even over Christmas and New Year, when you're kind of a, even during lockdown, Christmas and New Year, you still find yourself on Zoom calls, you're having a drink, you're, you're eating good food, and you're really enjoying yourself, and then you come New Year, and you say to yourself, on Monday, I'm starting again, Monday comes, found it really hard, next Monday, I'll start it then, and so on and so forth, it probably took me till the fourth Monday of the year, till I got back into the way of, of, of doing things again, so... I have had some set sort of setbacks, but again, it was just about finding that sort of that coping mechanism, and and that kind of leads me on to kind of a, the the main sort of point of, of what I want to make in sort of the podcast and something that I'll look to look at over the the coming um episodes of the podcast with the, the sort of various guests that I will be getting on, and it is looking at how do people cope 
with the pressures of everyday life and, and, and how can you, as a listener, how can you learn from that? So whilst it might be great to listen to sort of people on the TV, celebrities, shall we call them, and listen to about how they deal with, with their everyday life and the pressures that they're under, but, but how can you relate to that if you don't have the same job as them? How can you relate to that if you don't have the same sort of pressure as them? And, and as I said, hopefully over the coming sort of episodes that you'll start to kind of a be able to relate to, to everyday people, hopefully. So so what I've got kind of a as a, as a job at the moment, um, and it's a, certainly, I say a job at the moment, it's, it's my career, and it's something that I've worked hard over the last sort of uh, seven years is, I, I, at the moment, I'm a sort of senior management uh, within telecoms industry, and as you can probably imagine, being a senior manager at any sort of business or any sort of industry, it, it can be quite stressful. And and myself, like people that know me, will probably say that I'm very laid back. I'm very, I don't turn, I don't kind of fly off the handle, and I don't let pressure get to me and things like that. But the, the, what, the reason I kind of a have, or people have that opinion of me, is I've got this coping mechanism, and see all it is, it's going out a walk, you know, it's going out a walk, and it's thinking to myself, why why is the sky blue, and, and why is jam called jam, and, and, and things like that, it's just simple stuff, simple stuff that, that takes my mind off of everyday life, everyday pressures, that, that can can make people erupt and can can cause people to do, in my opinion, one of the worst things in the world is obviously um, committing suicide and, and, and that's obviously due to several pressures and several issues with, with mental health and things like that, you know, and that that's kind of a, what we want to try and avoid. But just when I take myself almost out of my my life and, and just put me into somebody else's sort of life or, or a, a, a something, another dimension, shall we call it, right? Um, and I'm talking absolute shite now, right? So I totally understand that, but it, it gets me away from everything. It gets me just thinking about just life and, oh, do you know what? I want to do that. And there, about this as I go, when I start to think about things, I start to make a plan in my head. And, and do you know what? See, by the time I come back from, from my walk, and I go a walk the next day or in two days' time, the plan's completely different. But you know what? I'm fine with that because I'm taking some time for me. And see, when I had my wee boy and, and I needed time for me, I felt so guilty and I felt so selfish that even the thought of why do you need time away from what is supposed to be the, the happiest time of your life? Why do you want to take yourself away from that? You should be here enjoying it. And I was putting myself under so much pressure and so much stress that I had to enjoy my time with my wee boy. And I did enjoy my time with my wee boy. But see if I just give myself that half hour a day, I mean, 30 minutes out of a 24-hour day, it's not much. So see if I just given that, I'd have enjoyed it even more. And as I said, that, that's something I've learned as I've gotten older, as I've matured, that that's my coping mechanism and there's nothing wrong with having a coping mechanism you know when I've had a bad day at work and I come home and it's absolutely pissing it down I'll still go to a walk because I've got waterproof stuff there I can put on 
And even if I didn't, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to end up with a cold, you know? So, but that half hour, that even 10, 15 minutes can make a massive difference to how I set myself up for the rest of the night to spend with my, with my partner or my wee boy or the rest of the, or the next day or the next week or the, whatever it may be. Taking that time alone just to think about random shit, make yourself laugh. I mean, when I think about it, like, it was about two weeks ago, I was at a walk again, just my earphones in, listening to, to, to music, and I thought about just a time where it made me laugh. So last uh, August, July time, myself and, and my friends, we went and decided to climb Tinto Hill, socially distance, obviously, and on the way back down, one of my friends fell, okay, and it is the funniest thing that I have ever seen, and it fell because I jumped, well, I, I nearly fell as well, but I, I managed to save myself, and I jumped onto a, a piece of what sort of grass, sort of muck where he was standing, and he got a fright, and he kicked his own leg, and then landed on his arse, it is the funniest thing that I've ever seen, and I wish we had a video to put on YouTube, and we could have all split the 250 quid, um, but it was so, so funny, and I was just the other day, uh, two weeks ago, just, just thinking about it, and I was walking through the street, and ended up past me, I must have thought, what the fuck is he laughing at, because I was literally just walking, pissing myself laughing, and do you know what, see, see that moment, it made me feel so good for the rest of the day, because it brought back that moment of happiness that, I, that I'd maybe forgotten about for a few months, you know, and again, I got that through my coping mechanism. So, as I said, coping mechanisms, something that we maybe definitely will go into over the coming episodes. And I really, really hope that that you guys listening to this can certainly relate to anything that I've maybe spoke about. Certainly think to yourself, do you know what? I can also relate to that and I can maybe go out a walk as well. And do you know what? It might not be about going out a walk. It might be about just going into your room and reading a book, it may be about going out a drive, if you can go a drive, it may be getting a, a bus to, to somewhere, or whatever it may be, like, go and do something, find that coping mechanism for yourself, find that something that, that gives you, as a person, your time back, to, to, that makes you happy, like, one thing that you'll you'll never get back is time, so, so why lose it? So, give yourself that sort of self-loving, okay, you, you deserve it, You've worked hard over the many years that you've been on this earth to kind of, and that sounds cheesy as fuck, right? And I'm not that one, one of those type of people, right? But see, in all honesty, see when you do think about it, you work hard every single day, okay? And not just if you've got a job, right? See if you're unemployed or if you're a, a sort of stay-at-home mum or dad or whatever else, right? People work hard every single day. They do something that is a challenge to them every single day. And see a challenge to someone, that might be just getting up in the morning see when you achieve that, fair fucking play to you, go and take some alone time, take some time to appreciate what you've done that day, and just realise that, you know what, that wasn't so fucking hard, and I can do that, I can keep doing that, and build on that, similar to what I've done, I, I hope to run a marathon, okay, see if I have to do it with the time, see if I do it when I'm 50 years old, do you know what, see when I, the day I do it, I'll look back, and I'll say to myself, I've fucking done that, that might have been hard, but do you know what? I done it, and I, I, I done it thanks to me and, and only me. 
and, and that's kind of a as I said when I when I speak about coping mechanisms, that it all comes down to about how you cope with your everyday pressures. Okay, so that has been me as I said speaking absolute um shite. Um, and going off in probably tangents that I, I probably never planned to do. Uh, moving forward, as I said, start to speak to people, everyday people. Um, also speak about their pressures. I mean, their pressures are obviously, as I said, could be the same as yourselves. And to understand how do they cope with it and how do they overcome issues and challenges um, throughout their lives. And, and hopefully as well, have a bit of laugh, talk some shit and see where life takes us. So that's us now come to the end of the podcast. I hope that you really enjoyed the first one and please keep listening. Thank you.